0: Abba, Father, I want to thank you for love and grace. And uh, thank you for how you have brought peace to my heart today. And you did it through your people. And I'm really grateful. And I, I, I thank you. Thank you for each person that's here, those online. God, teach us wisdom. And uh, Lord, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, so what I did is I did a, a bit of a screenshot uh, Revelation 22 10 to 21. Uh, this uh, scholars call this a meta textual commentary. It's a section of scripture, we consider it scripture certainly, that's a comment about the actual book of Revelation. And so, in a sense, historically, Terry, it stops. You can even argue that it stops at seven. You know, you might push it even to nine on where it actually stops. And then you get these, these comments, a series of comments that the writer gives to make sure you understand the significance of the book. And that's what's going on. And, and I wanted to uh, say, Andrea, thank you for covering uh, 10 and 11, which is certainly a pretty awkward and, and challenging text. And I think you handled it well. And I'm very grateful for that. So, so let's focus in now on 12 and 13. This is how the text reads. Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, okay? Uh, So let's just dig right in. Behold, I'm coming quickly, coming, er, that's a middle voice verb. Christ is coming for his own sake. He has something so special. He wants to be with his children, it's beautiful. I think it's it's language that should endear our hearts to him and give us hope. Will there be judgment? Yes. And my reward, singular, misthos, my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he's done. So what are we doing? Are we looping back through another judgment cycle? Because it actually mentions judgment uh, in other places in, in Revelation, where he's gonna come and judge the quick and the dead, and all these kinds of things. So, what is, what is unique here? What's going on? Uh, and then, of course, the language of 13, which is really, I think, very familiar to us that I'm the Alpha and the Omega. A comment about that, though, on the Alpha and the Omega, is that the two times prior that this is referenced in Revelation, It can be argued that God is speaking. So God himself is saying, I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. But in this instance, Jesus is talking. And so he grabs those titles, the titles that are used to describe God, and he's now describing himself. And so you see that that Christ is exalted and, and he is so one with God that they're sharing titles. That's a big deal. Really big deal. And and the first and the last and the beginning and the end are literally just restating what alpha and omega means. Alpha, first letter, Greek alphabet, omega, last letter. It's the book ends. The idea it's very polaric, it's very comprehensive to both ends of the spectrum. First, last, beginning, end, alpha, omega. So Christ now is the definer of history and his coming as judged. Okay, the idea of judgment and reward, little upsetting, you know, that's not necessarily potentially a pleasant idea because if you're like me and you get me under the, the Western scientific microscope for moral examination and you're gonna find something wrong, you know? So I'm I'm in trouble, you know, I'm, I'm Paul. Romans 7, the thing I wanna do, I don't do. What I don't wanna do, I end up doing, you know? wretched man that I am who shall release me from this shame and then Romans 8 uh, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus so yes Christ is our hope in the here and now but also in the future he's our hope so but let's let's look at judgment and just how, how serious this is so the concept of judgment and reward in the scriptures is really profound so kind of do a quick scan. We're starting in Psalms here, and I really think that there's actually several more that I could have included in this. Requite them according to their work. Psalm 62, you recompense man according to his work. Proverbs 24, does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? Will he not render to man according to his work? Uh-oh, getting scary. Isaiah 40.10, Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. The language, by the way, uh, of uh, of God is coming to to pay, to give, dispense the reward. It's really uh, the language of wages. You're going to get what's coming to you. Is what it really means, yeah. Ouch. Uh, Jeremiah 17. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Wow, this is intense stuff. Matthew 12. uh, This whole idea that there's going to be an accounting in the day of judgment for by your words you'll be justified and by your words you're going to be condemned so it's like everything we say things that are whispered in secret things that are yelled are all going to be brought under the just scrutiny of God that's scary Matthew 16 again he will repay every man according to his deeds Romans 2 he's going to to judge all the world you know according to the uh, the works of the law, judging the very secrets of men's hearts. All this stuff. Look at Romans 14. We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. As I live, says the Lord, every new about to me, every tongue confess, uh, to give praise to God so that each one of us will give an account of himself, herself to God. Wow. Sounds like we just can't skate through this thing, you know? Believe, get baptized, get the assurance that we, we think we need, we want, and then just skate on in like it ain't no big deal. No, it's a big deal. First Corinthians 3, our works are going to be burned with fire, tested with fire. Second um, Corinthians 5.10, very pointed. We're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for its deeds in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. Ouch! We're going to be weighed on the scales, right? Colossians three, repeating those ideas. First Peter one seventeen, repeating that idea. Even in Revelation two twenty three, it says earlier on that God's going to judge us and give each one of you according to your deeds. Wow. So this whole idea is that His reward is with Him, and He's going to give render the wages are due. To every man, every woman, according to what he or she has done. So some questions are begged. Let's work through this. This is going to be a challenge. Andrew, help me out here. Who will be rewarded? Who are we talking about? Now it says specifically, and it's the singular, collective singular. Certainly, every man. But what does every man mean? Okay, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to render to every man according to what he's done. What does that mean? Who is going to be rewarded? Well, you've got one option. This applies in the broadest sense of the categories to all people of all times. The saved, the unsaved, born again, not born again. Everybody. Everybody everybody another option just christians just christians who made it through the tribulation you know uh, armageddon and came out of armageddon and and it's almost like teary military honors you know you fought the good fight soldier you know sailor and and we're going to reward you for your good service you know is that what it is or is it something is it, is it post-salvation acts of obedience or disobedience that will be judged? So what do you guys think? Muscle in on that one. And I know we don't have a lot of data, do we? The text is really kind of simple. It doesn't give lots and lots of data. Uh, so based on what we do have, what do you think? How does it feel? What, go with your gut here. I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to render to every man does that mean all mankind, from Adam and Eve, to the last person you know born in history, or those coming out of the uh, the Great War? And uh, again, all people are just Christians. What do you think,
1: Terry? Um, when Armageddon happens, and Jesus has defeated Satan and his minions, mm-hmm. and you said that even the people with the mark of the beast on them, if they repent three seconds beforehand, they they're saved and they get in, yeah. and now all of a sudden they're going to be judged again?
0: Yes. Thank you, Terry. You're thinking, I love it. And so, and this is where revelation is so hard to handle and where the theory was developed, Andrew, you remember this, recapitulation, which is a retelling of the same event from a different angle or even a more intensified perspective over and over and over again. And those of us that have linear, Reasoning patterns, and we want the timeline. We want it to match up perfectly. Really struggle with revelation because it doesn't. It just doesn't play out so. No kidding. No kidding. Although you know. I
1: said something else earlier in my career.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and there are some preachers that are bent that way, and they make the most elaborate charts. The problem, in my estimation, is you got to do a lot of splicing a lot of dicing and chopping it up in a way that makes it fit what you want.
1: Okay, um, assuming that we're going with option number one okay. and every man and woman is going to stand in front of the archangel Gabriel and he is going to say yes you get in and or no, no you don't. You don't. Right. Because of the deeds that you have done. Yes. Or not done, as the right. case may be. Right.
0: Is it works but yet,
1: I was saved and I was promised that I was going to get in yep. because I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior.
0: Exactly. So which one is it?
1: <laughs> now <laughs> Sounds like the famous catch-22 to me.
0: (laughs) And that's why the next question that's critical is what is the reward? Who's rewarded? And now what is it? So let's work through some options here. Uh, The reward is salvation and related access to the Holy City. It's a generalized kind of reward and the saved are affirmed as being saved and you get access there's the reward it's celebrating what's obvious you get in as opposed to the wicked the unbelieving that they will enter into a state of eternal separation from God and denial of access to the eternal city so it's at that or as Terry mentioned or is it post-salvation Reward, earned based on acts of obedience and sacrifice. So there's a story. I don't know if you remember where Jesus is with the disciples. And Jesus teaches on divorce. And he makes divorce so difficult to do. I think it's Peter that goes, well, then why would you even get married? If marriage is that hard, then better off staying single. And then, and and Jesus says, "Hey, this is hard to hear, you know." And and then Peter says, "Jesus, we've left everything for you." And you know what Jesus says? Do you remember? Do you remember, Andrea? He doesn't. He didn't shame him and say, "Oh, that was a half-hearted comment." No, you'll have you'll have all that here and more to come. A hundredfold and. Families and farmland and, and what they would believe to be a state of being blessed. So it's like there is a reward, you know? There is something coming. Remember the parables? The, the man says, hey, I'm going to give you a talent. Uh, I'm going to go on, on a business trip. When I come back, let me know what you did with my talent. And I'm giving you five or two and I'm giving you five or ten. And when I come back, I want an account. And, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. Here's your reward. You know, so it's like, yeah, we get the reward of getting in. We're born again. We're in. We're in. But once you're in, there's a whole other set of rewards that kick in on what you choose to do with what it's given. You. <laughs> so, and the, and, and the scholars that I've read were really quick to say, hey, this isn't work-based salvation. That's not what this is and that's why I'm being specific Terry it's post salvation. Now that you're born again, the life that you live can, uh, can, can uh, will be judged and you can make decisions and engage in in behaviors that will bring potentially wonderful things you know a star on the ground you know and
2: so the same Jesus who's saying this is the one who, at particular times, would encounter someone who demonstrated faith in him and exclaim because of, um, and really praise them. Like the faith of the centurion. Yes. I've not seen faith like this in Israel. And so you get this picture that he does value some of these acts over others. Yes. Okay. The widow who gave two mites Right. That she gave everything more than anybody else, right? Yes. And yes. so you have him valuing those things while he's walking with the disciples. So why would he be any different in his glory? And so he's still I guess if you look at the whole if you look at the whole book of Revelation, you have all of this all of these words overcome. Have all the words overcome. Well I mean, just if you all look at it from a literary standpoint or like a novel, like, why does it matter to overcome if everybody ends up with the same plate of trophies? Pat- participation not, trophy. Every, y'all get, everybody gets your 4 H participation trophy, but that's not the flavor of this book. And it makes no sense. If that truth.
0: happens, it does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, agree. Because agreed.
2: you would write Revelation totally different if everybody was going to give you the exact same thing.
1: Yeah,
0: and you can kick in a neutral and skate by, and whatever happens, happens,
1: you know. Okay, so I'm going to get in, but after I was saved, uh, I stumbled and fell numerous times, and so I'm only going to get to level two (laughs) in heaven, as opposed to uh, level five where the prophets and the angels. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: That's great now, yeah, and and there's the rub. We're kind of not sure. There's the rub. Let me read to you what one scholar I'm really said. happy
1: to be here, but what can I do to get to level three? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: This is from George Eldon Ladd He's a great scholar, and I've really appreciated appreciate his work. This is what what George said. He said that that the idea is you have. Christians, patient in tribulation, steadfast in persecution, and that those two qualities depict faithfulness in a really tough, tough time.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so the idea is they remained loyal to God, to Jesus, in the face of Unspeakable odds for some of them, even uh, and death. even to death. Yeah, and they didn't take the mark of the beast on their the forehead or their or their uh, hand, and they stayed faithful. And in fact, Andrea, um, let me go back here. You remember this right here? Um, look at the, verse fourteen. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Andrew, that's that idea of we Christians got something to do, right? And acts of obedience, or being, you know, if Lad is onto something and I think he is, we're patient in our suffering, we remain steadfast in persecution, we remain true and loyal to the faith, we don't deny Jesus, then we're we are engaging behaviors that are worthy of reward, worthy of praise. Just like saying we wash our robes, we keep ourselves clean. And?
2: and because each person Each person in his kingdom Becomes a whole person And in, is in his image We're not jealous of people Who earn the crown We're like God that we celebrate that they have that And so even though There may be differences That doesn't mean right. that, there's, that there's Differences with jealousy
0: Yeah, I think that's good it's like the uh, what do you do with the story where the, the guy that gets two talents yeah. and is rewarded two more, but the other guy who got five gets ten, and you know there's no indication that hey that's not right he got ten I only you know, you know if you'd only given me five I could have done just as good you know yeah that's you know, I mean, that petty kind of Western thinking. And I've heard people try to explain that it all gets evened out because people put their crowns
2: down for God, you know, like this uh,
0: yeah, but hey, there's work to do in the kingdom. You know, there's leaves for the healing of the nations. You know, there's there's things to yeah. do. Yeah, I, yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So, so. just struck by how all of a
2: sudden he's using very individual language. So you know, throughout this book, it's they, 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 they. I mean, you've got John being able to say I, and you've got individual actors within the story, but at the end now it all gets very personal because it, I will repay each one. Mm-hmm. And then
0: the, the pronouns as you go on down there, get a lot more singular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is the whole point. And that's why John is saying, hey, let's make sure you don't miss this. So let me give you some closing comments as we tie this thing off. And, and yeah, yeah we've got to do something. After understanding Revelation, you've got to do something can't sit passively really, and act like it's an insignificant book. Mm-hmm. So it's an yeah. And it's interesting that he uses the the collective singular. I'm giving this to every man. Yeah, every individual I man our, I, I looked it up
2: just to see what it was
0: the word this translation has a little one. each one, yeah. But that's the idea. There's more than one. But each one is focused on the collective singular, yeah, yeah exactly. So really, really interesting. So, um, so okay. Um, what I want to do is I want to read a comment by David Ferguson. He's a scholar who wrote the book called The Providence of God. And this is what he says about the coming judgment. And I read this I thought, ah, oh, that is just... Beautiful. So Ferguson says this that for us, abiding fear may no longer be hell or eternal punishment. I'm
1: sorry.
0: Abiding fear for me and you, for believers, is no longer about hell and eternal punishment. It's not what it's about. To that extent, we are unique and separate from some of the original teachings of Luther. Rather, but the breakdown of our Christian lives (laughs) where we stumble, Terry, is the failed relationships, the irretrievable wrongs, the painful losses that we have endured that continue to haunt us, not least us as we confront our mortality. But the crucified and risen Christ is the guarantee of a love that grasps us in the depths and transforms us in spite of who we are. And for this reason, the last day is to be welcomed and longed for by Christians everywhere. In other words, Revelation 22, 12, and 13. Don't have to strike terror inside of us. Like we go, oh man, dad's coming home and that means the belt's coming off and you can hear it through the loops. And he's going to say, grab your ankles. You got it coming to you and I'm here to give you exactly what you deserve to the penny. You're going to take the beating. Now, I think Satan would love for us to think that way. But I think there's a level of grace, Terry, and hope that is absolutely beautiful that we can't be dismissive and soft sell this thing. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, the writer of Hebrews says. And we're gonna see him and we're gonna see him as he is. And we do have love and we do have hope but we will be judged. And so when Paul writes in Corinthians five, he says, hey, therefore we have as our ambition to please God, whether we live or die, doesn't matter. We have set our course to please God, that's our ambition. And that's the heart that John is really wanting us to embrace that we set our hearts on pleasing God. So, okay, so here's the question. What difference can this make in our lives today as we pull it forward over two thousand years, you know, what how can we live this out? What difference can it make? What do you think?
3: Now they're investing and growing our rewards in heaven. And I was thinking about rewards in general in that God it's it's a dream. I we our sense of rewards come from the parameters we know on earth. You know, we've been born and made into this this universe and this set of rules and God already knew this. And so there's nothing out of the realm of possibility that God wouldn't consider. Yeah. Uh, that was, It was always you being in and wanting to be in So, in the same way, it makes me excited when you're making a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to the newer, can be things I don't even know yeah. that I want that can provided for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked, too, how you talked about there's three things you invest in now for the next life your time and how you use it, the relationships that you have with others. Mm-hmm. You can always grow those, and those will only benefit you in the next life. Mm-hmm. And in your own spiritual life. Uh-huh. And I think the Lord's going to take that and tenderly to use that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pete, you said Peter had a hundredfold in what he was seeking. Of course he did. He reached. He reached out to so many fellow believers. His family got huge. And yeah. uh, it's like I was telling someone else. It's like modern Christianity in America is because of early Christian martyrs and all. If they didn't die and sacrifice and fight for truth, we have benefited from their sacrifice yes. and they're rewarded permissively
0: yeah that's so good Philip. Uh, Jesus taught even regarding this I think he used the word investment which I really like that word because Jesus teaches that we can actually invest treasure in heaven he says "Don't don't make it all about earth there's something else going on make sure that you're investing in heaven because what's going to go on there the dividends are going to be far greater than what the interest you could get you know at a bank here on earth yeah so the idea of investment really is a reasonable concept. Yeah. And there is a kind of parallel, what happens on earth happens in heavens kind of thing. Yeah. So Jesus said, hey, you're going to get your farms. You left your farm on earth, but you're going to get it. In fact, 99 more in addition to. Yeah. So yeah, that's really good. Well, thank you. Anybody else? Um, anybody online? Tammy, Lisa, Martha Shane. anybody here?
2: some of the problems with thinking about rewards for tremendous in ways we don't handle it well. Yeah. Um, I mean do we do we get a net harm to ourselves when we're always trying to pretend like uh, what we we'll do here is not that important as like we downplay it at a community.
0: And false humility?
2: False false humility. Is there any role in the heart to cry out to God and say, are you noticing?
0: um, You just quoted a lot of scripture with that one idea. The Psalms. Yeah. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6? When you fast, don't be like the Pharisees who intentionally disfigure their faces to present to the crowd, oh, I'm suffering and my devotion to God really hurts me. Look at me as I'm suffering through my fasting. What did Jesus say regarding reward? Yeah, they get it. They get it. You got your reward. Everyone, all look at the devoted man. But when you fast, do it in secret. Or when you give, do it in secret, yeah. So, yeah, there is a way to abuse this system. But
2: another abuse of it is to not of it at all. Yeah. That's
0: yeah, and that is the disheartened person. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
1: So once we have been saved, we have incurred obligations that go along with that, and we are duty-bound
0: Oh, well spoken. Duty bound. Like to
1: that. live a life that reflects Jesus as much as possible.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You sign up with the we, Navy. We can do that. Act like you're a sailor. <laughs> if you follow Jesus, act like it. Mm-hmm. If you're born again.
2: This is a servant and done what's required the
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Luke Luke 17. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Okay. Uh, So, go ahead, Terry.
1: Flashback a little bit. Naval history coming. Uh, Jackie Fisher was a famous British admiral. His uh, coat of arms had a saying on it that said, Fear God and dread not.
0: Uh, Dreadnought, okay.
1: And it just so happens that the battleship, or the battle cruiser that he had built, was named Dreadnought. Interesting. Uh, not because of him, but because it was an old, uh, famous uh, name for ships in the Royal Navy. But I always thought that that was a curious uh, coincidence. But I guess there really ought to be a legitimate fear of God Mm -hmm. and the consequences.
0: Yeah, and it's in Matthew's gospel, it's in Luke's gospel where it says, do not fear those who can kill the body and after that they have nothing more to do. I tell you who to fear. You fear him who can kill the body and after that cast that soul in hell. I say fear him. He's talking about his dad. He's talking about God. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it is, in the words of C.S. Lewis, it's a terrifying thing.
1: Terrified.
0: It's a terrifying thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, now what what I don't want us to do is to play into the psychology of blame and of shame. Because when we do that, when we engage in shame and we realize under the microscope of God that we are such profound moral failures that we have no significant worth and we're better off committing suicide, (laughs) spiritual and otherwise, then I think we are playing right into the spiritual warfare strategy of Satan. We do have worth we are born again. Now, if any of us struggles, First John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we don't have to walk around on earth, Philip, with this Eeyore kind of mindset, no matter where we go, is this pathological cloud of guilt, we can know forgiveness and walk in forgiveness. We can, we do have that, that ability to walk out in the love and the grace of God which I think is something Paul did. Paul did beautifully and and we can do that too. And we can take our humanity and be honest with it and we can come to a loving Savior. And I disagree with Ferguson that that we can welcome this day. When our hearts are in the right place, we can welcome the day. And that is beautiful, so. Okay. And grace looks like this. In the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and after giving thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you. Take and eat of it. In like manner also after supper he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Take and drink from it, all of you. And then Paul writes that as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, we tell the grace story, the death story of Jesus. So let's do that now. Let me, let me pray. our Father, we take the bread, we take the cup in remembrance of the death of your son for us and that it's in his death that we have hope in life. And that there's no condemnation to those who are in your Son, Christ Jesus. And we thank you for this. We worship you. We remember. We say thank you. In his name, amen. Let's take the bread. To everyone online, thank you. I'm grateful. Um, Have a good night. Get some rest and look forward to seeing you all on Sunday. Love to all. Bye.